Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. I've got a great guest for you today, so I'm not going to talk too much here because the interview's already done and it took up most of the show time. I think you're going to love it, especially if you have struggled with weight loss and dieting, kind of doing the yo-yo thing, and you're looking for some new and fresh ideas on how to tackle that issue. That's what my next guest is going to talk about. Uh, If you have anything that you have questions about from this show or any other episode, you can call us at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can also check us out online at vitalitynutrition.com where you can use the code ANXIETY all lowercase, just the word anxiety, and you can get $10 off of a combination of the Precision Probiotic, uh, my probiotic formula that I uh, briefly touch on in today's episode, and a bottle of the Anxiety Release. So when you buy those together with the code anxiety, you get $10 off. Uh, So uh, check that out if you are interested. It's a really good value on two of my very best-selling products. And without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest. I am so excited to bring to you my next guest. Uh, This is someone who actually uh, I just recorded with her for her podcast uh, just yesterday, actually. And I think these shows will come out roughly the same time frame. So if you uh, like what you hear on this show, maybe check out her podcast as well. And you can listen to what I have to say. Uh, over there, but she's got some other amazing episodes. I would highly recommend that you check out. I've I've listened to a couple of the shows so far, and and she does a great job. Her name is Lisa Salisbury, and she's a health and weight loss life coach for women who want to lose weight without counting and calculating their food. As a former chronic dieter, Lisa knows what it's like to be all-consumed with everything that goes into your mouth, It was only when she learned the tools and skills through coaching that she was able to drop the dieting obsession and drop her weight. Now she's a certified health coach through Institute of Integrative Nutrition and a certified life coach through weight loss coach and weight loss coach, sorry, through the Life Coach School. She also has a BS from BYU in health and human performance. Lisa, welcome to Vitality Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you because I think this is a topic that I, well, I shouldn't say I think, I know it's a topic that I haven't tackled in a lot of depth on uh, Vitality Radio. And as long as I've done this show, I've yet to have a weight loss coach come on and do a segment with me ever. So you're the first one. I'm excited to uh, share (laughs) your skills and knowledge with my listeners here. So I, you do programs for people. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, one of the things that you sent me prior to us meeting that I thought was really cool because I completely agree with you on this is that you said something like craving chocolate or craving more time on Instagram. Well, you can use the same solution for those two types of cravings. Avoiding vegetables or proteins and and also avoiding your to-do list. Well, those are actually the same root cause and you can use the same solutions. So I'm excited to talk about those things among others, but you also shared with me your basic philosophy when it comes to diets. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you share that with us? Yeah. Um, So I believe diets, and that's in quotes, things that have like names with them or specifically that have end dates are just about the worst thing you can do for your mind and body. My favorite example here is Whole30. It tells you that on day 31, you can have a cupcake. (laughs) So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I teach my clients a way of eating that will be a long-term sustainable practice. Um, I think that Attaching moral judgments to food by labeling labeling them good or bad is really harmful because we end up labeling ourselves similarly for eating those foods. We say, I was so bad today because I ate such and such food that you've decided is bad. Um, I think the key to health and weight management is to t- pick power foods just 80 to 90% of the time because no foods are off limits in my programs. I think that movement is a really important aspect of a healthy lifestyle. And I pick that word on purpose, movement, rather than exercise or working out because all movement counts. We just need to move our bodies. 
And I think that loving your body right now is actually the most beautiful path to change. We just are never going to be successful by hating ourselves then. I could not agree more with that. The mindset is so much of all health, I believe, not just weight loss, but uh, obviously mental health as well as physical health. I think it plays a role in all of that. So I appreciate that. Um, Let me start by asking you then, let me bounce back to what I originally said. You mentioned the cravings. Uh, You said that chocolate cravings and craving more time on social media could actually have the same cause and the same solution. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So one of the things I teach is um, what's called the self-coaching model. And we learn about how thoughts create our feelings. And so when you're thinking about food, you're creating a desire for that food. That's the feeling that's produced. And the same thing is true when we're thinking about connection. We have a desire then to find that connection. And our brain thinks that that's going to be found on social media, just like your brain thinks that stress relief is going to be found in a cupcake. But in fact, those things are what I call buffers. And um, as we're thinking about our thoughts, creating our feelings, what happens is we think that the solution to some of these problems like cravings or connection is these false, what I call um, false pleasures. So what happens is we engage in these behaviors that actually give us a false positive result. So for example, when we are feeling stressed and so we decide that what we need is chocolate and we have that desire and we eat the chocolate, we actually have stress relief that works but it's a false positive result because in the long run, it doesn't lead to reaching our goals. If your goals are to reduce your sugar intake, the same is true for over social media use. If you are feeling sad and you're wanting connection and you think, you know, what's going to help me with that is to see what my friends are doing. And you feel like you got to know them a little bit more, but that ends up again being a false positive result because in the long run, we know that social media actually does not increase our connection, but rather increases our loneliness. So we get a small dopamine hit, but the end result is actually a net negative. So those things are buffers. Those um, we're getting, we're getting these false pleasures or net negative results from those things. And so the solution there, when we say the solution is the same, is to go ahead and feel the original feeling. We feel the craving rather than responding to it. And this is a buzzword too in a lot of mental health is feel your feelings. But how do you do that? And that's what that's what I work with clients is to teach them how you can sit with a feeling and experience it, not with through meditation, not by sitting on the couch in stillness. Like you can you can feel a craving for chocolate and be doing what you're already doing. So I think a really good example, a lot of times we're like, I don't want to get this work done. I don't want to write this email. You know, it'll help with that is a little crunchy snack. And so we can be a person who wants a little crunchy snack and writing the emails. We can feel the craving for that and be doing what we intend to be doing at the same time. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I, appreciate that very much. We actually teach something uh, at Vitality Nutrition called Emotional Vitality that encompasses some of these same things. And one of the things that I've learned through learning that myself is how valuable paying attention and being present with our feelings is and really understanding why we're having them as opposed to just being reactive, uh, like you said, you know, sitting with it, understanding it, I I call it getting curious about it, trying to figure out, you know, what's that doing there? And so I think that's uh, really, really valuable. And it's one of those things that's a practice thing, right? So you do it once and you're like, oh, success, but it's easy to fall back into the same habit the next time it happens and jump on social media, eat the chocolate, whatever else. So um, one of the things that I really enjoyed when you and I were talking on – on your episode uh, of, uh, or on the episode I'm on on your podcast, however I word that, uh, is that you said 
we got to quit shaming ourselves and feel guilt about these things when we fall back into these habits and just recognize that every time that we have a misstep, we're able to move forward and uh, and and try, you know, learn from it and do better the next time. So, I love that. And and your philosophy, I think, is is really powerful too, which I want, is why I wanted you to share that with our our listeners. So let me ask you this then: many people uh, feel like their eating is you know kind of out of their control mm-hmm. to some degree. Like, you know, I just I love those foods. I can't stop eating those foods or whatever it is that they might say. And they say maybe they're even eating against their will, like they know better but they don't do better or maybe they're eating without paying attention. I found myself just uh, a few weeks ago I talked about it on an episode, actually I guess a few months ago now. But I was sitting here at my computer right where I'm sitting now recording this, and I was preparing for a show, not recording the show, and I had a bowl of pistachios. And I realized about, I don't know, 20 or 30 pistachios in that I had literally just eaten lunch (laughs) right before I came downstairs. I wasn't hungry at all, but I like pistachios, and they were there, and so there I was eating eating them uh, mindlessly, really. Uh, so when people find themselves in these situations where they feel like they're eating against their will, um, they're eating even without paying attention, what do you what do you think that means, and what do you suggest? Yeah, I totally see that. I specifically remember this one time we were um, stretching. I was at the gym, and it was a group of us stretching. And I was this woman wasn't talking directly to me; she was talking to the person next to her. But she said. I mean, I buy bread for the kids and it's right on the counter. How am I not going to eat the bread? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really common. Like, well, I have to eat it. It's there. And it is one of the things that um, I teach my clients to do is to be able to walk in a room with a food that they like and not be compelled to eat it. And one of the things when we use those kind of words, like, how can I not? I, it's just you know, I feel like I'm just doing it against my will. And I think that it ends up being really defeating when we think that we have no control over it. So I like to change up that wording and say that we're eating against our goals because really eating, it's a physical thing unless you have to, you know, get up, prepare the food, go get the food, retrieve the food. Even if someone were to bring it to us all like breakfast in bed, we still have to like use our muscles and pick up the fork and get it to our mouths. Like no one's mm-hmm. really being forced to eat technically. And so what we're doing is we're eating against our goals or eating foods that are not helping us achieve our goals. So we generally have a plan, right? Most people are like, I think I want to eat less sugar. I want to eat more vegetables. I want to maybe even if you have a specific um, eating plan that you have decided to do and then something comes up and we end up not following that plan. So we're sabotaging our own plans and really breaking promises to ourselves. That's when we end up eating against our goals. And I think this happens because of a couple of reasons, but one thing is we have two parts of our brain. So we have the middle lower brain, which we'll kind of lump together. You'll hear this called the animal brain or the mammalian brain. That's where the automatic things are done. This is the part of the brain that helps us brush our teeth, drive down our neighborhood road, pour cereal. These are things that are easy to do because we've done them so many times. They don't require a lot of thinking. And so our brain being very efficient has delegated those tasks to the lower brain. We often say we do these things on autopilot. It's like when we arrive home and you can't remember driving past the park in your neighborhood and you say, oh, I just was on autopilot. That's the lower brain at work. The other part of your brain is the higher brain. This is your human brain. This is the part we use to do our more intensive human thinking. It's the part that we use to learn to learn to drive, right? So we had to think about it quite a bit. If you've ever taught a teenager to drive, um, I don't recommend it actually, but uh, <laughs> it is a necessary evil of being a parent. I, um, I had one daughter who would confuse the gas and the brake pedal all the time. It was really scary. <laughs> um, but she was not on autopilot, right? She had to think about it every time. And I had to prompt her like gas on the left or <laughs> even, I don't know, gas on the right. Um, so she, you know, wasn't on autopilot when she was first driving because she was really using that, that higher brain. 
But this is also the part of the brain that we use for planning ahead. So animals do not plan ahead in the way that we do countdown days for something. They instinctively store food, but it's not planning a they're not planning for a tropical getaway vacation during the winter months, right? So we use this part of the brain to set goals, make decisions, feel love. It's a very powerful part of our brain. So when you think about those two parts, the main thing is that your lower brain, its job is to keep you alive. So it looks out for danger in all of its forms, you know, lions, tigers, bears, mean girls, it's all the same to the lower brain, right? So it does this using the motivational triad. We seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. Do you, do you work on do you work with the motivational triad much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. So your brain wants to do all it can to experience pleasure and keep from having any negative experiences because and we don't want to use too much energy because we might need to run away from the lion or the mean girl at some point during the day. So your lower brain just wants to keep you alive. And a lot of times pleasurable things, even though we seek pleasure as part of the um, motivational triad, those things don't usually kill us. So we want to experience those. Painful things do, and we want to not be too tired to flee. So that's how that motivational triad keeps us alive. So what it does then is because we've eaten so many times, your brain is like, this is easy to do. Let's delegate that down to the lower brain. Let's put it on autopilot. Plus when we eat delicious things, we get a hit of dopamines. We experience pleasure. So it's very automatic then that when we walk through the kitchen and we mindlessly grab some crackers, it happens because it's a habit and our lower brain is in charge of habits, right? So, um, This happens when we, I see a lot of my clients, they eat a snack after school with their kids, right? Their kids come home from school, the kids want a snack. And so they have a snack then too. And I ask them like, are you hungry? And they don't even know. They eat a snack there because it's a habit to eat a snack at that time. Or you walk by your coworker's desk, you grab candy because they always have it out. You're standing there talking to her and you're eating a handful of M&Ms because they're in front of you and because you always do right? You don't even remember picking it up. Yeah. And in in our society, there's these traps that are laid for us all over the place, right? You go to the bank and there's candy in a dish. You go to your accountant's office and there's candy in a dish. You go to, you know, wherever. And it's like trick or treat for adults all over the place, right? (laughs) And and so if you're not careful, you're two dum-dums in at the bank while you're waiting for them to, you know, deposit your, your check or whatever. And so I love what you're saying because if people do recognize, hey, there's the habitual side of me that's just going to do things, but I have the power to turn off that side of the brain, that part of the brain, by being conscious of what I'm doing, by being conscious of the the uh, jar of pistachios that's on my desk. I mean, what I did that day, and you tell me if the, if you coach it differently, but what I did is I simply took the pistachios and put them in the next room. They, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I spent the rest of the time prepping for my show, not eating pistachios that I wasn't hungry for. Uh, but, but that's, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying because it's so easy to just go autopilot on heck, almost everything in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like nothing's, nothing's gone wrong. I think that's what the main thing is, is people feel bad. They're like, oh, I did it again. Like, but really nothing's gone wrong. This is your brain working exactly as it should. Mm-hmm. And I always like to remember that, that like this, actually, this is the sign of a healthy brain. It's just that when we've decided, Hey, I want to change things up. I've set a different goal. Then we have to have our upper brain be in charge. There's a couple ways that that we can do that. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we make sure the higher brain is in control and not the lower brain then? Yeah. So, um, there's a few different, a few different things. Um, one way that I think is the most important is to decide ahead what you are going to eat in a day. So I have my clients do this. I call it the 24 hour practical plan. This can be done the night before or just in the morning before you start your day, like before you eat breakfast. 
you just jot down what foods you're going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I highly discourage an exact amount. I highly discourage writing down a half a cup of cereal, three quarters a cup of milk. Like you don't need to do that because you want to depend on your hunger scale, your body to tell you when to start and stop eating. And because I just don't believe that we need the same number of calories. If you were measuring calories, um, you don't need the same number every day. So you want to use your own body. But the reason this works to plan your food ahead is because your higher brain is the planning brain. And so when you make all your food decisions with your higher brain, you will be much more likely to be thinking about your long-term goals. And so it puts your higher brain in charge of your food decisions. The other thing this does is it gets you out of scarcity mode because your brain automatically wonders when the next time you'll eat, even if you're not doing that consciously. And so you end up finishing a plate of food because you're not sure when the next food will come along. Because the truth is our hunter-gatherer brains are very powerful. <laughs> and you know it's just not been that many years that we've had a grocery store and a restaurant on every corner. If you think about human history, our brains just haven't caught up evolutionarily to having food available all the time. Gotcha. So does that make sense? Yeah. So when you have the plan and you're like, I can stop, I can put my fork down right now. It's easy because I already know what I'm having for lunch. So it gets you out of that scarcity mode. And it also helps you to trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. When you say you're going to have a sandwich for lunch and then you go in and you make yourself a sandwich for lunch, you are like, oh, okay, I guess I do do what I say I'm going to do because we are the first ones we cancel on. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And, and and we're our own worst critic and all the other things, right? I, I love that though. Uh, having the food that you're going to eat or that you intend to eat on hand uh, and having a plan as to when you're going to eat it. Because one of the biggest questions maybe uh, who knows, it could be the most asked question in America is, you know, what are we going to eat? Right. So it, yeah. it comes, it's 530. It's almost time for dinner or six or whenever you have your dinner. And the question that pops into mind is, okay, it's dinner time. I'm hungry. What am I going to eat? And if you don't have that prepared in advance uh, in terms of a plan, then it's going to be much, much easier to just kind of succumb to that uh, animal brain and, and eat what sounds good or what's convenient or what's quick or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And I do call it the practical the practical plan because the first time you try doing this, I don't want you to actually plan salads three times a day if you haven't eaten a salad in five years. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to actually write down pretty much what you ate yesterday if you kind of are like the kind of person that likes to eat the same thing every day because you need to practice eating what you have planned because inevitably, if you write down cereal for breakfast, you're going to go in the kitchen and be like, you know what sounds better? Yogurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because your brain will always suggest something else. So when you first try planning, you want to make it very easy by writing down exactly what you already eat and don't try to make any changes right away. You also want to write down things that you want to eat, such as dessert. Write it down because you, if that fits your long-term goals, like I want to be a person who enjoys baked goods once a week, include that in your plan. You can decide how many times a week, but, um, this is the kind of planning that my clients do also like, we don't have to be planning things like homemade food every day. You can write down like today. I actually, I already knew I was going out to lunch with my sisters. So I wrote that as part of my plan. It doesn't mean we have to hone, like homemade our food every single day, every single meal, just because you're planning it. Well, I love this because what I what I hear uh, that I've um, that's really simple, really, but I think really profound and powerful is that if you have a plan in place, you're a lot less likely to succumb to the pistachios on the table. Uh, you know, if they're not in your plan, so to speak, uh, you're a lot more likely to be. Uh, to have those things, if you're if you're planning, you're likely to have those things on hand and ready, uh, and so and you know kind of what your time frames are going to be and where you're going to be when you're eating lunch and where you're going to be when you're eating dinner and things like that. So, but you're more likely to just avoid some of these potholes that we find ourselves in in terms of just eating 
because we're hungry and eating whatever's in front of us as opposed to eating consciously and really paying attention to what we're putting in our mouths. And I also love how you put it. I, I think you've got some great tips for everybody listening right now. I also love how you put that it it's even okay to start with just what you're already eating. Even if you know that that food maybe isn't that great for you and that food might be some of the food that's gotten you to a weight that you're not comfortable with or a level of health that you're not comfortable with, um, even if it's not weight loss that we're talking about, but just generally being healthy, then what you're really saying is let's train the brain to serve us instead of to serve the animal instinct. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think a really good example of this is my um, one of my teachers and mentors, she was eating ice cream right out of the tub every single night. And when she decided to do this, she just the, her, the first thing she wrote down was, I'm going to eat ice cream out of a bowl. <laughs> and so I like it. Like she just got the biggest bowl in her kitchen and she served <laughs> it up in a bowl. Okay. And then after a couple of weeks, she's like, I think I'm going to go down to like a small, like a small dessert dish mm -hmm. of ice cream. Mm -hmm. Like she still wrote it down. I'm going to have ice cream every night. And that's how we make those small incremental changes until she was like, I wonder if today I don't need ice cream. And then she didn't write it down that day. And like, that's how it started. So but the first time she really did just write down ice cream out of a bowl, the biggest bowl in the kitchen. Like that's what she says. I don't know how big the bowl is, but I just think it's funny. It is so, funny. Um, you know, this helps us. We can, we can just alter our plan just a little bit at a time to make the difference. But thinking about the pistachios you were talking about, that is actually the second way to engage the higher brain is to keep eating to mealtimes. So, when we allow ourselves to grab a handful of something every time we pass through the kitchen, we're not thinking about our hunger levels or our fullness cues. It ends up just being something to do. So I really teach my clients to wait until we are hungry enough for a meal. And this is tricky because a lot of people are like, oh, I think I'm hungry. I think I want to grab a snack. And healthy snack searches on Pinterest and Google are like through the roof, a mm -hmm. hundred healthy snack ideas. Like, no, we don't actually, <laughs> if you're hungry enough to eat, you should eat a full meal and get to satisfied. So um, this isn't to say I don't eat snacky foods. So for example, I really like um, like apples and peanut butter. I just include that in my lunch plan. So instead of having a small lunch that ends up being really a snack and then apples and peanut butter two hours later and then crackers and, and dip two hours after that, I consolidate my snacks into meal times. There's, there's tons of benefit to, um, eating and then stopping and eating again, like gut and health wise. Mm -hmm. But this is another just great way to engage that higher brain is just to consolidate and say, I only eat at meal times. Hmm. Okay. I, I think that would be one that would be uh, maybe even a more challenging habit for people to overcome, but it makes sense because I, we don't probably calculate that effectively how much those little snacks add up uh, when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah. what about this, um, the difference between, you know, mindless eating and emotional eating? Is there a difference between those two things? Are they the same? What's that about? Yeah, I think it is different because when, for like, when you do keep eating to mealtimes, um, you aren't using any of that mindless eating. Mindless eating happens when you are doing something else and eating at the same time. So it's when we are uh, watching TV or being on your phone, um, driving. If you are a person that drives while you're eating, that can be really mindless. So um, now I will say when I'm on a long road trip, I'm like, well, the popcorn's going to keep me alive. So, right. <laughs> but when we're just around town, like we don't need to be eating while we're driving. Those can all be mindless. Emotional eating is a little bit different because it tends to be eating to cover up or to fix an emotion we're feeling. I'm bored. I'm stressed. 
Um, those are probably my two most common emotions I see with emotional eating in my clients is to kind of help with those items. If you um, don't want to do a work activity, uh, I have a client who's like, I see a client he's like a, an accountant. You know, I, I see a client, I go get a snack. I see another client, I go get a snack. And it's, um, it's a stress relief in between those things. And so that would be emotional eating where we're, we're going to get the food to help fix how we are feeling. Whereas mindless eating is just grabbing on our way through, grabbing the candy or eating while you're doing something else. Yeah. And I, I mean, the mindless thing, exactly what you said with me was just that my pistachio story, right? Just doing it because it was just there. The emotional eating, I think is one that a lot of people that, that resonates with a lot of people. And again, I think, like you said, having a plan is one of the biggest factors there because now you're conscious of what you're doing and, uh, and able to recognize the, um, you know, kind of what's guiding your desire to put food into your mouth. Um, what is it about certain foods? You mentioned chocolate earlier. Um, what is it about certain foods that are so desirable? Are there certain uh, chemical responses that we achieve from eating certain things? Mm-hmm. And what do we? What can we do about that? Yeah, for sure. And that is actually interesting. Back to kind of the brain the brain story really, because food does give us a dopamine hit. And when we think about our hunter gatherer ancestors, when they would come upon a field of berries, they would naturally eat as much as they possibly could. And that's good. That, that would be desirable because they knew, okay, this is going to keep us alive. That would be something that had the highest form of sugar available at that time. And so they would you know, eat as many as they could. So they get a hit of dopamine, which tells the brain, oh, this is very good for us. This will keep us alive. Mm-hmm. So that way, the next time they come upon that field of berries, they will do the same thing. But currently what we have done is taken those berries, quote unquote, and concentrated it down and pair it with concentrated flour, and we get this concentrated or increased dopamine hit. And so when we eat, say, a strawberry cupcake, our brain is like, wow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was really good and really essential for survival. We should eat those all the time so we don't die. So we get this concentrated hit of dopamine release when we're eating these concentrated foods which is why we have an over-desire for these highly palatable, usually highly processed as well, because they give us this concentrated hit of dopamine. So it's, of course, we are we want to eat those things and it kind of comes back to feeling like you're eating it against your will because you're like, I, my brain is like, I have to. So it, it does, there is definitely a chemical reaction there of the dopamine when we have you know, um, chicken and broccoli, our brain is like, yes, that was good. And we get a, a quote, normal release of dopamine with a meal like that. So when we start to engage our higher brain in our eating pattern, that is how we can sort of get control of this reaction. So when we are engaging our higher brain and feeling that craving instead of responding to it, then we are going to be more in control. And the more that we do that, the more we start feeling our cravings instead of responding to them and not pushing them down. We're not like saying we're terrible for having it. We're not supposed to have that. We don't want all of that negative talk. We want to just actually feel it. The more you do that and practice it, the the fewer and fewer times those will come. Interesting. So it, it sounds like to me, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a, um, I, I guess interesting is the best word, but uh, interesting how to a very large degree, all of these different questions that I'm asking you that I think most people listening have at least experienced here and there, if not, you know, on a daily basis, 
kind of come back to still just consciously being aware of what's going on and sort of who's driving the bus. Uh, are we focused on what's happening with our actual goals that are coming from our higher brain, uh, guiding us on what we're putting into our mouths, when we're eating it, how much of it we're eating, all that kind of stuff? Or are we allowing our instincts uh, and our lower brain to just habitually fill our tanks with things that may be against our goals and against our uh, our end desire. So with how do you coach your clients? And of course you have, I know you have a 12-week program you told me a little bit about, and I, I want you to share that in just a minute. But when you're coaching clients, because I know the biggest challenge with this has to be that kind of old habits die hard thing, right? People that have been eating a certain way for 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is, it's not something that, you know, you listen to a podcast and say, oh, I'll just do that and everything's fine, <laughs> yeah. right? So what's the process? What does it look like when you're working with a client uh, for those of, you know, people that would potentially want to sign up and, and, and use your service, but also uh, for people that are just wanting to kind of dip their toes in and test out a couple of these little hacks or tricks or whatever you want to say that we've just, that you've just shared. Um, what, what do you see the process being like for people in terms of your experience as a coach? Does it take a few weeks, a couple of months? Is it different for everybody? What does it look like when people are trying to implement all this stuff? It does take um, definitely some time. And that's one of the main differences, I think, with my program as opposed to diets is that a diet will tell you, okay, on Monday, here are all the foods you're going to never eat again. And here are all the foods that I want you to eat and make all these recipes. And it's got all this prescribed and you completely overhaul your eating on, on day one. Mm -hmm. um, that is a recipe for disaster. There's no possible way. This is why uh, most most resolutions end somewhere around January 19th. That's quitters day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we can only um, willpower it through for so long. The difference with my program is the first week I do have my, my clients plan exactly what they were eating the week before. Nobody loses weight on week one. Okay. Which <laughs> because we've got to start trusting ourselves, learning these skills, learning about what our brain is doing. And so, yeah, it definitely does take some time. I do have one activity that I think is really helpful, which is it's a cravings chart and it's one through a hundred. And I teach them how to feel a craving without responding to it. And I want them to write it down a hundred times. So this takes many weeks. And generally speaking, if you can feel and not respond or what I call allow a craving, so we allow it to be present in the body, we name it, we say, oh, look at me. I'm wanting, I'm a person who's wanting brownies again. That's so interesting. I wonder why I'm wanting brownies. What's going on? What's happening? Do I, am I hungry? Like, and you ask all the questions and um, most emotions last in the body from six, between 60 and 90 seconds. Cravings are an emotion. Some people call it desire. Some people call it urge, but those cravings will last about 16 to 90 seconds based on the original thought, which was, look, brownies, delicious. Usually not more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you answer it by just saying, oh, I, I hear my brain wants brownies again. That's so interesting because brownies aren't on my plan today. We allow that feeling to flush through the body. We write it down on the chart, brownies, you know, and the date. And then we take a look at that chart later and use it to actually inform our plan. So say you had been craving brownies 16 times in the last two weeks. You know what you need to write on your plan tomorrow? Brownies. Because nothing alleviates a craving like eating the food, but I just don't want you to do it in the moment because when we are eating the food in the moment, not only do we get that concentrated and we're specifically talking about highly processed foods here, but you're getting that highly concentrated dopamine hit. We also get a little extra by it being a treat or it being a little, um, naughty. Like we get these extra, extra dopamine from this, these other thoughts going on in the brain. So when it's planned, when you're like, Hey, I notice I've been wanting brownies several times. 
I think I'm going to make my very best brownie recipe. I'm going to make it tomorrow. I'm going to have one after lunch. I'm going to give the rest of the pan to my kids and my neighbors. I'm going to take it into work. I'm going to share it. Whatever you decide to do, I'm going to put it, put them in the freezer so that you have the amount that you intend to have you'll find that the craving for that will go down and then maybe something else will come up that you'll be tracking. But when you get to a hundred allowed cravings, you'll find that it, I mean, it averages by person and how much weight you have to lose. But um, if you've practiced allowing a hundred cravings, you'll expect to see about a 20, a 10 to 20 pound difference on the scale. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you did start out though, Lisa, by saying brownies, that you should add brownies, plural, to your plan. <laughs> and then you started talking about only one brownie, and that was kind of <laughs> devastating to me. So I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> well, that's just the name of the recipe. They are always plural. I don't know uh, yeah, why. Yeah, and they're always delicious. Uh, so I, I love that, actually. I've never heard that. That's brand new to me. Um, obviously, a lot of what you teach, a lot of what I teach probably have some overlap, but that was really, really cool. Um, I am by nature someone who, you know, we have people that tend to crave more of the sweet stuff and people that tend to crave more of the savory and salty stuff or whatever. I'm a sweet stuff guy. So you say yes. brownies or donuts or whatever, and I my eyes are like, oh yeah, yeah that sounds good. Um, and so this hundred cravings thing I love because one thing I believe 100% and I've seen it work uh, with a lot of clients, I've seen it work uh, on myself as well, is that curiosity is a really, really big deal. Really understanding mm -hmm. what our internal mental uh, motivations are as to why we're wanting that thing. But most of the time when we have a craving, I think the majority of us, we just succumb to the craving, right? We just eat it. Absolutely. We don't experience it. We don't really think about it too much. And if we do spend time thinking about it, it's after the fact beating ourselves up over doing it, right? This is a cool idea. I love it. This hundred cr allowed cravings thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens okay. because it's really, really, um, I've never tried it that way. And I think that makes all kinds of sense. I really appreciate you sharing that. Okay. So we have just a couple more minutes before we need to wrap this show up. Um, and so there's... Well, let's talk about your 12-week program then. Um, if people are interested in what you do, uh, first off, how do they find okay. you? Uh, we will, uh, for you listening on the podcast, uh, we'll have links to uh, Lisa's website. We'll have links to Lisa's Instagram and and uh, a few other things that she's provided. So we'll have those there. But if you're listening on the radio, um, then uh, you may want to jot this down or jump over to the podcast and check it out. But first, how can people find you? And second, what can they expect uh, if they decide that they want to work with you. Okay. So my website is wellwithlisa.com, just W-E-L-L with Lisa, L-I-S-A.com. And um, so all my links are there. My Instagram is well underscore with underscore Lisa because, well, Instagram's annoying. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you can also just search my name, Lisa Salisbury, S-A-L-I-S-B-U-R-Y, and I should come up on Instagram. So that's where you can find me. I do take clients through a 12-week program, and it uh, is the same name as my podcast. I help them eat well, think well, and live well, because not only do we want to eat the things that work well for our body, but we want to think about our bodies mm -hmm. in beautiful ways. And we want to learn to live well, because when we make our lives interesting, we don't need food to do all of the job of entertainer and compensator. So we want to really expand um, all those skills, really expand those skills and in all those areas, not only just, just exactly what's going in your mouth, but also what we're allowing to go through our brains and what our lives look like. So um, I teach them different topics every week. Um, I have a new topic each week, and then they do guided journaling worksheets and these kind of tools like the cravings chart. And um, so when you learn all these skills together, um, you'll find, well, I'll tell you what one of my clients said recently was she said, I'm really surprised how much of a stronger, I'm really surprised how much stronger I am emotionally, which is actually starting to be more important to me than being thinner. 
And I thought that was really amazing because she can, she's just, she's handling her life better. And so starting with, starting with these skills that come with weight loss, it really does start with that trusting yourself skill, which I talked about with the planning. Mm -hmm. And when you learn to trust yourself and when you learn to handle any emotions such as cravings, you are, it's surprising how many more emotions you can handle and learn to be friends with. So absolutely love that. I love that quote from your client. That's powerful stuff. And the thing that's so cool about this and, and the approach that you're taking is that this really isn't you teaching somebody how to diet. It's oh, no. not you teaching somebody how to have the proper food plan, at least based on what I can tell. No. It's really <laughs> teaching people how to use their own brain to serve them and take them to where they want to go and to get uh, away from the uh, what we call in emotional vitality uh, to, to kind of reroute those internal maps in the brain to drive them in the direction that they actually want to go instead of that same circular uh, thing that people do where they continue to make the same uh, choices that lead them away from you know where they really want to be, which then means that, yeah, is it going to help you with your diet choices? Is it going to help you with putting better things into your body and less of the bad things? I think it probably will in most cases, but also it's going to help you uh, to put probably a lot less bad things into your brain about how you feel about yourself, how you look at yourself, um, how you experience uh, your physical body. There's there's a ton of power in the approach that you're taking uh, based on what you've shared with me today. I didn't know anything about your plan um, up until we talked here on the show, but uh, everything that you've laid out to me makes all kinds of sense, and and I, I really like it. I hope people look into it. Oh, thanks. Incidentally, I'll just share real quick that that same client, she's down 25 pounds, so it works on on the brain and and on the body. So it's exciting. That's awesome. So I would anticipate people probably see uh, better results with their anxiety, their depression, things like that as well. Um, yeah. One thing, of course, you and I talked about when I, I did your show is, is how um, depression and anxiety and, uh, you know, mental health things impact physical health, impact weight, impact cravings and things like that, how the microbiome mm-hmm. is all tied into all that as well. So if you want to go a little deeper on this topic from a microbiome standpoint, you can check out the episode that I did on um on Lisa's podcast as well, which we'll link uh, if it's available anyway, depending on when these come out. We'll yeah, link we in the description so as well. Yeah, for the sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because I think it, both conversations should be interesting to to whoever's listening for sure and, and not much overlap. So, all right, yeah. Lisa, I've got to let you go. I wish I had more time because there's actually a few more questions I could ask, but maybe we can do this again sometime in the future. Okay. And uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your expertise. I appreciate you sharing with me some I'm going to try. I love it when I'm doing my podcast and I learn something new. I'm going to try that 100 cravings. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write down my 100 cravings. I'm going to experience them without reacting to them and uh, see how that goes. And I'll, I'll report back. So thank right, you so much good. for joining us, Lisa. Thank you for having me. So that was Lisa Salisbury. She is a what sounds to me like a great coach. I've never been coached by her, but I'm familiar with the uh, coaching schools that she attended. And after having two pretty long conversations with her now, I believe that she absolutely knows what she is talking about. So I would encourage you to check out her website, check out her Instagram page where she shares a lot of tips, and check out her podcast. All of that is linked in the show description. As uh, we talked about on this episode, we have, you know, there's a link for sure between your mental health, uh, anxiety, and depression, and cravings, and emotional eating, and all of that kind of stuff to your diet and your weight loss journey if you're on a journey trying to lose some weight. And as I was thinking about it and trying to figure out how I wanted to wrap up this show, it occurred to me that one of the things that can really help, and if you listen to the episode of Lisa's podcast, um, Live Well, Think Well, I'm going to say that wrong, Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well is the podcast. Uh, If you'll check that out, 
Um, I was on an episode talking all about how the microbiome impacts weight, and I thought it was actually a pretty a pretty useful episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, and so what I would suggest is if you're struggling in that area and you're definitely struggling with sort of the anxiety side of things, the depression side of things, as well as the weight loss side, that you address your microbiome, that you address the anxiety. And I've come up with a package specifically for people who listen to this episode of Vitality Radio. I uh, won't be publishing this anywhere else, or at least that's not my plan. It's a code for vitalitynutrition.com. The code is ANXIETY, all lowercase, ANXIETY, and you get a 30-capsule bottle of Precision Probiotic Vital Spores. You put that in your cart, put the anxiety release in your cart. Once you put those both in your cart and use the code ANXIETY, you'll get 10 bucks off, uh, and that'll get you started on the things that you need from a supplemental standpoint to help with your journey towards uh, more optimal weight and more optimal health if you'd like to approach it in that way. Again, the code is anxiety. The website is vitalitynutrition.com. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show, you can open up a chat in vitalitynutrition.com. You can also call us at 801-292-6662. Or you can join the Facebook listeners group. Uh, That's uh, link is in the show description as well. When you join that group, you get a lot of really, really great additional content and tips and information from people in the group, uh, from myself, from uh, Jessica, my assistant in the group as well. So definitely worth your time and it's free of charge. Thank you so much for listening to me and Lisa today on Vitality Radio. I appreciate you very much, and I'll talk to you in a few days. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.